Did forget to mention on the back table are the January February Baptist breads. Those are back there. Those daily devotions. If you need those, those are back there uh, as well. And so please feel free to grab one of those on your way out and uh, be a blessing to you. If you would grab your Bibles and turn to the book of John, John chapter one. John chapter 1. So over the last few weeks, I've, I've preached a series of messages that kind of go together, I guess. Um, they're not exactly building upon another, but just different looks. And so I preached a few weeks ago on the book of Matthew and the birth of, and the, birth of the king, Mark, the, the birth of the servant. Last week we preached out of Luke, Luke chapter 2, of course, and the birth of the son of man. And this morning, here we are in John chapter 1. And each one of the Gospels is wonderful in that it gives you a different picture of Jesus Christ and a different angle on the life of Jesus Christ and how He lives. And each book personally goes ahead and, and shows you the angle that it needs you to see of Jesus Christ. And the book of John is particular and we hand out, you know, sometimes being a witness, we hand out uh, Gospels of John and Romans. Uh, we tell somebody if they, you know, uh, they're seeking the Lord to read the Gospel of John. We, we purposely don't tell them to go ahead and read Matthew or to read Mark or even to read Luke. We point them immediately to the book of John. And the book of John is very particular in that it was written for a purpose, and we're going to see that here in a moment. Uh, but first we're going to read John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1 we'll read the first 18 verses, so if you would bear with me. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. All men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have, we, have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So you get into the book of Matthew, right? And we were there and, and you read the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you get his, his ancestry and the way his birth goes in chapters 1, 2, 3. You get all the things laid out for the life of Jesus Christ. And the, the backdrop is laid for Jesus to be the king of the Jews. In Mark, there's no lineage given and he's just the servant and nobody cares where he came from. He just shows up on the scene and gets about the work that his father had asked him to do. You get into the book of Luke, of course, and he goes back all the way to Adam, which is the son of God. And he takes the lineage back to the man, Christ Jesus. And you see him throughout the book as the son of man and his, his, ultimately his humanity is shown off. But you get to the book of John and John gives his lineage farther back than anybody else goes. Say, how far does he back? He goes back all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. You note the same phrase there, in the beginning. It's the same phrase Genesis starts with, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You get all the way back to that point right there and you have Jesus Christ is already there. His title then is the Word. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but notice, turn over to John chapter 20. Why does John run his lineage back all the way there? Why does John link him as God showing up, the Son of God, stepping down from the glories of heaven and becoming 
He makes the statement, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what He did. God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There He is. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And you get here to John chapter 20, and John tells us particularly why he's writing. In verse number 30, he says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why? That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We hand out the Gospel of John. We tell people, you know, if you're lost, if you're seeking Jesus Christ, you want to know who He is, read the Gospel of John. Over and over again, we point them to the the Gospel of John. We do that because John's particular purpose was not to present him as a king to the Jews. It wasn't to bring the servant into the world who was going to give his life for many and fulfill everything that the Father told him. It wasn't to be the Son of Man and show that he had the same struggles of mankind and that he reached the end of his life and gave his life still to seek and to save that which was lost. Instead, it is John showing off that this was not just some other man who came into the world. He wasn't just somebody lined up to be the king. He wasn't just an ordinary servant. He wasn't just some regular old man who did some great things. He the Son of the living God. He is God manifest in the flesh, stepped down out of the glories of heaven, and He became a man so that He could give His life a ransom for many and pay the debt of all of our sins, and that by believing, you will have life. That's the goal. The entirety of the book of John is to show Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and to prove how great He was. And the truth is that every religion on the planet Just regular old religion. You know what it does? It puts you in the place of God. You have to be good enough. You have to be adequate enough. You have to lay down your life. You have to come up to His level. You have to attain some greatness. Jesus Christ says, you don't need to do any of that. I came down to you. God steps down out of the glories of heaven to step down to sinful man's earth and to go ahead and walk about with us and go ahead and prove that, let's face it, there's nobody like him. There's never been and there never will be. The sinless Savior is one and only, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. And this morning I'm going to preach on the birth of the Son of God. And so uh, I'm going to try not to be long. I know we've got a lot of family things happening today. But let's face it, a Savior came into the world, and He is the Son of God. And so let's proclaim Him this morning, just for a few moments, if you'd allow. Lord, I do thank You for the day. I thank You for once again sending Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank You that You were the all-sufficient Savior that we needed. And I am so grateful that You were willing to come. That you're willing to save to the uttermost. That you're willing to give your life a ransom for many. And Father, I thank you. Lord, for those that have come this morning, I pray that, Father, if someone here does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I have no idea, but you do and they do. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. They would hear and they would see and they would understand that by believing, they'll have life through his name. Lord, we pray you would bless the services this day, that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up, that you'd give me wisdom as I speak and as I preach. Father, help me to say everything just the way it ought to be. Lord, we love you and we do pray you would come back soon for us, even today. We'd love to see our Savior. Father, more than the presence and more than the things with the family that we will do today, I would love to see my Savior today. And Lord, we pray even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you would turn back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we'll look at this, the birth of the Son of God as He comes into the world. Uh, John goes ahead and once again, he starts off in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. I love that phrase right there. Or maybe you, you don't really, you know, notice a lot of weird things. I like weird phrases in the Bible sometimes, you know, just kind of the oddities of how he says things. And that one, this is one of them, right? Was not anything made that was made. If it was made, there's no way it was made without him. That's basically, right? If it was, if it was created, he created it. There's nothing else in the universe but what he created. That's just the truth of the matter. There is no comparison to creation. You know who he is? The first thing John wants you to recognize is that this is the creator God of the universe that is showing up. That's what he's pointing out. He's pointing out this is the creator. Without him was not anything made that was made. He points you all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's who he is. You get here to John chapter 1, and you know what John's saying? In the beginning was the Word. Here He is. And you know what He is? He is the Creator. And without Him was not anything made that was made. You can't look around and it makes no difference. You look all over the place. You know what you'll find? You say, well, we, you know, we built this structure not without anything that He made. Everything you've got is because He made it first. You've done something to fashion it the way that it is, but He's the one who created it. He spoke it into existence. That's how He did everything. That's why He's called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Everything He did, and God said, let there be light. And God said, and God said, and God said. And whatever He spoke, it happened. You say, what happened? Jesus Christ happened. He spoke and it became. Go over to, hold your place right here. We're going to come right back. Colossians chapter 1. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Colossians chapter 1. You all know the difficulty with trying to do anything with any of the Pauline epistles, right? And it's trying to choose a text that is short enough without reading an entire chapter all at once. And this is the struggle with Colossians chapter 1. So feel free, if you've never read Colossians chapter 1, feel free to read the whole chapter. I'm going to try and grab a section of it, all right? And we're going to grab verse number 13. And uh, I know I'm in the middle of a sentence, okay? I don't like to do it. But if I went all the way back to verse number 3, where the sentence starts, uh, all right? We're give, verse 12, you're giving thanks unto the Father. All right? Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son? In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image, here he is, of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Without him was not anything made that was made. And he is the one holding everything together. Science still has no idea how atoms and molecules stay together. They have no clue. They, they can't figure it out. Well, you know, the polarities. and the, They have no idea. Why does it work the way that it works? I'll tell you why it works the way that it works. By him, all things consist. There's only one reason it works, because he designed it that way. He holds it all together, and if he decides he doesn't want to hold it together, you know what he does? He stops holding it together. That's what he does. He just, okay, you can explode. I don't, I don't need you. If he doesn't want it, it doesn't happen. Everything that in the universe is, was created by him. Everything that's still running is created by him. The most amazing things in the universe of creation, you look around at all the things, and God's simplest things are better than mankind's absolute best things. Our marvels of invention fail miserably. They just do. How many of you, how many of you drove here in a car that is going to last you the rest of everybody's lifetime? Anybody got, anybody got a car that's going to last them 6,000 years? Refrigerator? They don't, even have, they don't even have buildings that last 6,000 years. Weather gets them before anything else. Huh. 
Mankind's greatest achievements don't make it. You realize you look out the window and you still see trees? Grass is still growing. You're still dealing with rodents trying to get into your house all winter. You're still dealing with, with mosquitoes in the summer. You're still dealing, say what? God made it. It just lasts. Amazingly enough, man marvels at the greatness of what they can make, and all they can make is whatever God has already made and handed them the supplies to make. They can't figure out that they can't do anything without Him. Jesus is, without me, you can do nothing. The old joke, you know, is God and the devil are going up against each other, or the scientist is going up against God. There it is. The scientist is going up against God, right? God, we don't need you anymore. We can do all these marvels. And so the only gets thrown down. We can do whatever you can do. And God says, okay, how about we make a man? And he goes, but just the old-fashioned way, the way I did it back there in Genesis. And the scientist says, that's fine. Gets down, bends down, scoops up some dirt. And God says, no, no, get your own dirt. <laughs> Oops. You say, well, it doesn't matter. You, oh, well, you can do all these great things. You can't do anything without God making it first. God's done everything. And you know who it is? It's Jesus Christ, God, manifest in the flesh. That's who created it all. That's who spoke it into existence. That's who was there at, at that little baby in a manger. You know who that was? The creator God of the universe. Become flesh. Step down out of the glories of heaven. By him all things were still consisting, even as a baby in a manger. You say, can you explain that? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. There he was. You got to see God show up. The creator of the universe stepped down to become part of his creation. That's what John's trying to get you to see. He's trying to get you to see that the creator of the universe that spoke the heavens into existence, that flung the stars out into the universe off of his fingertips, that same God stepped down as a baby in a manger, knowing that he would give his life a ransom for many. Knowing the end result of what he was about to do, knowing what he was going to be, the Creator stepped down because his creation needed him. Because without him, you and I would never have salvation. We'll see that more here in just a moment. Back to John chapter 1. I hope you held your place there. John chapter 1. Verse number 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to be, for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That light was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Not only was he the creator, he also is described as the light. The creator shows up, but he shows up as the light to lighten the world. Light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. It's not surprising. He shows up, you realize that light is the thing that we, we are drawn to. Men are drawn to light. You look for it. Most naturally, you, you gravitate toward light. We understand, <coughs> excuse me, we understand that darkness is not the normal place for man to dwell. That's just not normal. The Suttons are up there in Alaska, right? They're going to get like five seconds of daylight, right, every day or whatever, I don't know, like an hour. That's about all they get. They get to see the sun start to crest up and then it goes down. That is not normal. Most normal, that's not how we operate. We deal with it all the time up here, even in the north. Just, just up here in northern New York State. Say, so what do you get? Light depredation. People get depressed more and more throughout winter. They get down, they get discouraged, they get, woe is me, because we're not, we're not supposed to have that much darkness. We're supposed to walk in the light. We're supposed to have those things. 
and God shows up and light comes into the world. And he lightens every man that cometh into the world. Realize that God is not exempting anybody from the light that he wants to give. The light is available to everybody. He opens up and he goes ahead and shows off that everybody can see him. He's manifest. That's openly known. He shows off who he is. He lets everybody know. In fact, he proclaims it from angels to shepherds, shepherds to, and he goes ahead. And by the time you get to our time, there is the gospel of the book of John written to proclaim to everybody in the world that a Savior came into the world. That the light has shown up to go ahead and shine into the hearts of men. But the problem with it is that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. John chapter 3. John lets us know in chapter 3, we all love that verse, verse 16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Probably the most famous verse in all of the Bible. Nobody keeps going to verse 17, 18, 19. Why don't they? Because we don't like those verses. We like the idea, for God so loved the world. God loves me. He loves me so much that He gave His only begotten Son. And all I have to do is believe on Him. So not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. He that hateth the light loves darkness. That's just the truth. You don't like Jesus Christ, you know what the problem is? You don't like the light. He doesn't want to come to the light. You find that in John chapter 3 as well. He doesn't want to come to the light. Why? Lest his deeds should be reproved. You put it in the light so you can see what's going on with it. You know what's more frustrating? I had... uh, I had a sliver in my hand, a splinter this morning, I, I finally noticed. And I was, I was in a place it, over, at the, over at the home, and I was in a room that didn't have a lot of light. You ever try to get a splinter out? Not a lot of, I'm like, I've got to leave here. I can't, even, I can't even see what I'm doing. But I get into the light, and you can see what you need to do see the problem you can see that it's there you can go ahead and pull it out and it's all right otherwise what are you doing you're just rooting around in there right ripping the rest of your finger apart trying to get to the thing that would simply be done if you just got some light on the subject you know what men do they ruin their lives unwilling to come into the light unwilling to go yeah i'm wrong yeah i am sinful yeah i i don't know what i'm doing yeah i have failed And they keep running the wrong direction because they refuse to get light to go ahead and realize you're wrong. The difficulty is for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody's holy. There was one that was holy. They crucified him for sins. And he rose again to prove he's God. That's who he is. You and I are sinful. And until we're willing to admit that we're sinful, we're sitting in darkness. He came to bring light. The God of the universe, the Creator, stepped down out of the glories of heaven to be a light, to lighten the world. To let them know that there does not have to be darkness. To let them know that they do not have to continue the way that they are going. To let them know that sin is real. That there is a consequence for your sin. That it is a lake of fire for all of eternity. But Jesus Christ stepped in to be a light to guide you to the place where you could have eternal life. He is light and life right here. To have life without light is not possible right here. You and I, we have these plants right here, right? Without light, things die. The vast majority of things die. I know there are certain exceptions to those things. But the vast majority of life 
happens because there's light. And without it, you perish. Without Jesus Christ, you'll perish in your sins. He came to be a light. Look over at John chapter 12. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 12. You know, Jesus' goal was not, con not to condemn anybody. He didn't come into the world to condemn. But the truth is we become condemned because we refuse to trust Him. And here He is in John chapter 12 and verse number 44. All the way to the end of the chapter here. John, cha John chapter 12 verse 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. The truth is, Jesus Christ came into the world to save the world. The Creator stepped down to be part of the creation to light the world and let them know a Savior has come. And the truth is, you can choose to walk toward the light or you can choose not to. He that believeth on me shall not abide in, should not abide in darkness. The goal is, don't be living in darkness. Hey Christian, by the way, he came to be a light so that you didn't have to stay in darkness. If you got saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you got salvation, you know what you find? That you don't have to sit in darkness like the rest of the world. You don't have to stay doing all the things that the, that the world does. You don't have to live in sin and have this life of awful, terrible, and keep ruining your life. You can have real life. His promise is you can have life and life more abundant if you'd be willing to have Him. He wants to lead. He wants to guide. He says that he'd be a light so that you could follow him. John chapter 8. You could follow him. You know what he wants? He wants people to be able to follow him. You know, God is not this God that is just hidden. He's, he's not playing this weird, weird game where he pops up every once in a while and goes, Hey, here I am. Come see if you can catch me before I just disappear again. God's not playing hide and seek with people. That's not his goal. His goal was to openly manifest himself, to go ahead and show off who he is. Go ahead and put himself up so that you could tell who he is, exactly what he is, exactly why he came, and that he calls. He calls out to men to come. I mean, you get it all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, and you know what you find? There's still one last call in there to a lost world. The Spirit and the Bride say, come, and he that is a thirst, let him come. Take a drink of the water of life freely. Hey, come one, just one more time. He keeps pleading through the end of the book of Revelation. Just come already. Just come to me. His plea to the, to the people is come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. He keeps crying out, come, come, come to the light. Come see what we are. Come see what the truth is. Come see what the light of the Bible will give you. Come and see what a Savior can do. Come and see. He's still calling. And He's still saving. If you'd be willing to come. The problem's not with Him. The problem is entirely with us. The problem is you. You won't move. You won't come. You won't go ahead and resign to the fact that he is right and you are wrong. I like to be told that we're wrong. That's why we don't, lest his deeds should be reproved. We're wrong. Every time we disagree with God, you know what we are? Wrong. So how do you know that? Because he's never wrong. He's perfect. I already know that I'm not. So then what's the problem? The problem's me. It's not a problem with the light. The light's always got it. The light's pure. The light's truth. 
Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So it's not a problem with me. Or it's not a problem with him. It's a problem with me. I'm the problem. You're the problem. You're the one who won't submit to what he's telling you. And the whole book of John proves exactly who he is. You get back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. He is not only the creator come into the world, he is the light that has come into the world, that true light. But verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Now you have the final declaration of him. You say, what is it? That he is the Son of God, stepped down so that he could give his life for you. The declaration is that this is God shown up on the earth and that this is exactly who He is and the reason He came was because He was supposed to be full of grace and truth and you and I are supposed to gain grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Look over, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. I'm excited about this message because I keep reading some of my favorite chapters. So, Colossians 1 is a good one. Hebrews chapter 1, one of probably the most elegantly written chapters of the Bible. Ranks up there with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Unless, unless you have a newer version. And then it never has the same ring, just so you know. Say, I'll just give you the one spot. The, my least favorite spot in 1 Corinthians 13. This is totally off the message, I know. Don't worry, it's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll cut 30 seconds off the end. Um, is in a King James Bible, right? Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Right? That little phrase, doth not behave itself unseemly, they change it to is not rude. And I think, that sounds graceful and elegant. It's not rude. What? just doesn't have the same ring. Anyways, Hebrews chapter 1. I have no idea what this one looks like in a new version, but I do know that it is elegant and graceful right through here. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time pass on to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the, the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let the, all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with, oil, with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Whew. 
chapter is awesome. You say, who is he? He is the son. But the father looks at the son and he says, thy throne, O God, is settled forever. It's his. It's established. You say, who is it? It's God, Jesus Christ. Shown up. The declaration of who he is is the express image of the person of God stepped down onto the face of this earth. They got to see God face to face if they were willing to look. And they chose to crucify him. Notice the choice is that Jesus Christ is the express image of his person and he is upholding all things by the word of his power and that everything is under his control and they crucify him. God steps down out of the glories of heaven. The creator of the universe goes ahead and speaks the universe into existence, then steps down into his own creation, and he brings the light of the world in, and he goes ahead and shows them the truth, and they reject the truth of God, and they go ahead and take God and crucify him. The declaration is that he is the very son of God who gave his life a ransom for many and died for your sins. That's the declaration of who he is. Look over at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I already quoted 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Not He. God. Not just some random He. It is God Almighty manifest in the flesh and it is Jesus Christ the righteous. It is Him alone who has shown up, and it is God who has come into the world. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated on the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. You say, what did he do? He rose from the dead. That proves it. You you realize the seal of proof of Jesus Christ and his deity is not all the miracles he did. It's not that he healed people. It's not not that he went through and could feed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fishes. It wasn't that he could go ahead and walk by and even touch the buyer and go ahead and raise some kid from the dead. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't that he walked over to the grave of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth, and out he comes. It wasn't any of that. It was that they killed him. They put him in the ground, and three days later, nobody came by and said, Jesus, come forth. He didn't need somebody to show up for him to get him back out. He didn't need somebody else's power. He didn't need somebody else to come in and show off. You know, he didn't need Elisha's bones drop down into the hole and land on, you know, land on Elisha's bones and get raised from the dead. He didn't need any of that. You know what he needed? He needed just to be the son of God and finish the work he was asked to do. Go ahead and give his life a ransom for many at Calvary. Let him drive the nails through his hands and through his feet. Let him plate that crown of thorns and drive it down on his skull. Let him beat him and whip him and scourge him and go ahead and rip the flesh off him. Go ahead and nail him there. Leave him to die. Stick him in the side with that spear. Prove that he's dead. Go ahead and put him in a hole. That's all he needed them to do. And when they did that, all he had to do was go, All right, I died for the sins of the whole world. Wounded for their transgressions. Bruised for their iniquities. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the payment of every man and woman and child's sin that'll ever live. And I'll go ahead and I'll take it with me. I'll pay the price of all of their sins so that whosoever will, when I rise from the dead, I can go ahead and give them victory. And it didn't take somebody else walking up and saying, okay, Jesus, it's time. Jesus said, okay, it's time. He rolled the stone right out of his way and walked right out as if it were just any other door. And he was stepping out on Sunday morning. And out he came. And there was nobody that was going to stop him regardless of how many soldiers they put there. No matter how many devils tried to go up against him. No matter who else and how many principalities and powers there were. He's walking out the doors because he is the very son of the living God with all power and might and majesty and holiness. That's who he is. And the proof is in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he walks out and you get above 500 witnesses. You get the soldiers paid off so they don't say anything. You get all the things lined up and you know what you find? That you could line up 500 witnesses to Jesus Christ being alive after they put nails through him and declared him dead. 
You do that in any court of law, you know what you've got? You've got the proof you need. More than, more than abundant. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and proved that He is not just wonderful, not just counselor, but that He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That is who He is. And He stepped forth out of that tomb, and you know what He did? He proved that He is the very Son of God. And He also proved that He is an all-sufficient Savior and the only Savior. Go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Say so you have preached some unusual Christmas messages the last few weeks. And that's fine. But that's because Jesus Christ is greater than one day. Tomorrow we'll celebrate. We'll talk about how great he is, I hope. We'll read, most people, Luke chapter 2. Probably where I'm preaching from tonight if you come back. We'll read the story and we'll think about him for a moment. and We'll set it all aside and we'll do our thing. He's more than just a day. He's more than just a moment. You and I, we look at Jesus Christ and sadly sometimes we're like religious folks that just go ahead and have him as a token. But he's far more. Look at verse number 10. John chapter 1 and verse number 10. He was in the world. Here he comes. And the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. The world doesn't know a Savior has come. Verse 11, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. The Jews rejected him. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So what's he want to do? He wants you to receive him. John wrote the whole book to go ahead and prove to you that this is the Son of God stepped down out of the glories of heaven to give his life for you. And you know what he says? I want you to receive it. I want you to believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. He proved it the day he stepped out of a grave that he is exactly who he said he was. And you know what? He is more than sufficient to wash away all of your sins. And if you'd receive him, you'd go ahead and accept that Jesus Christ is God, come in the flesh, gave his life to pay the debt of your sins, and that you need him to be your Savior, and you trust him alone, you know what you'll be? A son of God. You'll join up with his family. You'll identify with him. You'll become part of that. Believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. Notice about him, he says in verse 13, which were born, not of blood, Guess what? It doesn't matter what family you were born into. You weren't, you weren't born, you can't, you can't be born into being a Christian just by being born. First birth's no good. You aren't a Christian because you grew up in a Christian home. You're not, a Christian, you're not saved and going to heaven just because you had all that under control and that you were just having to be born here in America and you just happened to be born and you went to church and your parents brought you to church and all those things. That's not why we're saved. It's not by blood. Nor the will of the flesh. So what does that mean? That means that uh, you can't make it happen just because I'm going to make myself into a better person. Me wishing and doing and trying real hard isn't going to do it. None of that works. Well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. The problem is, I have all that sin that I've done before. What do you do with all that? 
let's face it, if you go ahead and live sinless from today till the day that you die, that'd be great. That'd be impressive. I'd be impressed. God wouldn't be, but I'd be impressed. Say, why would God not be? Because you got that pile of sin behind you. What do you do with all that? Well, the problem with all that is somebody needs to wash it away. And there's only one thing in the universe that can wash a man of his sins. You find it in 1 John chapter 1. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. You and I can't wash ourselves, nor the will of man. That's the next thing. You know what that means? That means I can't light enough candles to put you in heaven. I can't get baptized for anybody else. I can't go ahead and grab all the other religions you want to. I know I'm listing them. I can't do this. I can't go ahead and be like, you know, Brother Ed, I want you saved, so I'm going to pray for you. And you're just automatically saved because I prayed. It doesn't work that way. You know what Paul's statement was? That his, his wish, his desire, his want was that all Israel would be saved. In fact, his statement was, I would be accursed if all Israel could be saved. His statement is, I'd go to hell for all of eternity. I would burn in a lake of fire if all of Israel could figure out that Jesus Christ is the Savior. I would take their place if they could get it. Not possible. Not at all possible. I can't wish somebody to get it. All I can do is go, hey, this is Jesus Christ. This is who he is. You can have him if you'd be willing to receive him. He's the Savior that's come into the world. He is the creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence. He was a light to let you understand what direction you need to go and to be drawn to Him. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men onto me. And then He says, okay, I am the Son of God. I am God come just to save you. Would you take Him? Greatest gift you'll ever get is to get Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Realize the last thing he said on that verse was, it's not by the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but of God. You know who the only person is that can save you? God. You know how he chose to save you? Jesus Christ, his son. God has shown up to pay the debt of all of your sins. John goes ahead and makes it very clear. The reason I wrote the book was that you'd know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that knowing that, believing that, you'd believe on His name. You'd get salvation through His name. Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Must. Can't get around it. Jesus Christ is the only Savior. And he came into the world, and we're about to celebrate him coming into the world. But the truth is, there are many that won't believe him, and there are many that won't receive him. I hope that's not you. I hope you've believed. I hope you've received. Realize the promise in Romans chapter 10 is that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, say confess what? That you believe what he said about him. The confession is, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for me. He rose again. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. It's not by joining this church. It's not by showing up here this morning. We gave out those Bible reading calendars. I hope you read your Bible. It's not by reading your Bible. Not by saying any magical words. It's not by doing all these special things. It is simply doing one thing and one thing alone. Praying and asking God to save you. Believing that he'll save you. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. John wrote the book so you could know. I hope you've done it. The greatest gift you'll ever get is eternal life forever. The gift of God is eternal life. That's what he wants you to have. And he, he is God manifest in the flesh so that he could give you that gift. Let's go ahead and stand. In a moment we're going to sing. I know we've got visitors today with Christmas and all the things. and I don't know who's saved. I don't know who's lost. Some people, they hold on to that idea of growing up in church, and I've been in church. and We've had people in this church that grew up here and in their late teens and sometimes even into their 20s and 30s. They call upon Jesus Christ then because they never made it personal today. They never took the time to go, I believe that, and they asked him to save them. They say, well, you know, maybe I did it when I was younger and okay. But if you can't remember a day, a time, a place, say, well, I don't remember the date exactly. I don't remember the date exactly. I know when and where. I know where I was. I know who was there. I know what happened. If you can remember the event, the day that you asked Jesus to be your say, that moment you called upon him gift ever but if you can't remember a day if you can't remember a time when you've done that why not come and ask Jesus to be your savior this morning I think you know what to do if you got a question we'll gladly we'll gladly open a Bible and show you out of the Bible we'll answer your questions we'll help you out we'll walk you through some things but maybe you just have heard it so many times now. You, you know what you need to do. Maybe you just pray in your spot and just say, Lord, I know I need a Savior and I know Jesus Christ is it. Would you be willing to do that today and receive the greatest gift you'll ever get? Christian, maybe you haven't been walking in the light the way you ought to and maybe you haven't been proclaiming the light the way you ought to. Great time of year to do it. Easy easy to go ahead and let a lost world know about Jesus. They're all looking about him. Now's a good time. Let's remember him today. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you, Lord, for the time we've had together. I pray you would bless the invitation even now. Lord, if someone here is without Jesus Christ, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. I pray they take the time to call. Call upon you. Ask you to save them. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.